Hi, this is Zoe, and this is a special edition of the podcast. It's from a webcast I ran last week called Leadership Through Coronavirus. And just FYI, when I started off, I had just asked the audience, the attendees, to write in the chat box about how they were feeling about the coronavirus. So then I hit record, and then I started answering the questions. So that's just to give you a little up-to-date, fill-in-the-blank, of why it starts slightly disjointed, but the rest is pretty good. All right, let's do it. We are recording. This is Zoe Routh, and this is leadership through coronavirus. What else are we talking about? <laughs> it's like a hot topic on everybody's mind right now. Um, what we're going to cover today is a couple things, people stuff and leadership stuff. And I think it's important to say what we are not going to cover. We are not going to cover medical advice. Nobody else needs to hear, again, how, how to wash your hands and do all that kind of stuff. We're across that. If you're not across that, I will put a hyperlink in the show notes where you can get some information about the medical advice through the medical health websites. We're not going to talk about what the Chamber of Commerce is putting out also in terms of YGNS requirements for remote workers. All that will be in resources. Um, this particular episode or this particular webcast will also be repurposed and republished on my podcast. So if you're listening through the podcast, all the details will be in the show notes for the podcast. Uh, so you will have access to all the information I have and whatever the guests share right there. If, you, if this is the first time you listening to me or interacting with me, g'day! <laughs> that was my best attempt at being Australian. I am actually Canadian by origin, but I've been in Australia for since forever, 96, and I apparently still sound funny. I do think it's important to note that Canadians have made a massive contribution to the world, particularly in maple syrup and peanut butter. Yes, we invented peanut butter, not our American cousins. Aha! Um, my background is I'm an outdoor experiential educator starting off in Canada. I like canoe trips around Northwest Ontario for a long time, nine summers. And then I came out here to work with Outward Bound as an expedition leader and then executive there. And then I worked at the Rural Leadership Foundation and led and designed leadership programs for the rural, um, rural sector and regional sectors for about five years. And I've been running my own leadership practice since 2002, part-time and full-time for the last six or seven years. So that's a little of me in a nutshell. Okay, I just want to check into the feeling sensations. Okay, uh, tired, feel like we are losing, but also that we're doing all we can. Yeah, strange, but actually have a lot of adrenaline at the moment. I know, I have that too. I went for a run yesterday and I feel like I could have run for half the day. <laughs> it's just, yeah, we're going to talk about the, the, um, what's happening in the bodies with regards to um, with the stress that's coming from all this. Okay, adrenaline or coffee. Yeah, I don't drink coffee, so I can't blame it on that. Okay, so now that we've checked in a little bit around emotions, I want to switch pace a little bit. We live in interesting times. And I want you to note my use of the word interesting. And this is my first leadership tip to you, is that language has a massive impact on how we feel and how others feel around us. Now, I have a strong tendency to dramatize everything. <laughs> so I could have said, we, we live in screwed times, crazy times, F times, you know, fill in the blank. And I'm choosing to go interesting. And that actually helps me stay calm. So we're going to switch emotions. And this is the tip that you can take with you as well. So apart from monitoring your language and how you talk about the coronavirus with your team, 
I want you to list in the chat box what you were appreciating right now. So this is a big switching of gears. This is about starting to move into a different emotional state, one where we can allow a little bit of oxytocin to flow. Because when we see people being generous with each other, when we see things that we appreciate, it changes our biology and our emotional state. So appreciation is really important. One of the things that I'm appreciating just before we got on this call is I went out to get some sunshine because that's really good for hygiene <laughs> and for boosting your immunity. And I saw my little chicken who's 10 years old. She'd hopped up half a meter onto this little ledge and it was all nestled up in a patch of dirt. And I'm like, good on you, little girl. She's 10 years old and she still hop up on a ledge and enjoy the day. So I was really appreciative of the company of my chickens and that they're still kicking, which is amazing. All right, so lots of wonderful things being listed in appreciation, hard work of colleagues, grateful for generosity, seeing the community. Uh, oh, that's really nice. And I think we're gonna come back to how it's important that we spread good news uh, because that actually helps boost the oxytocin levels for people around us and for ourselves. Uh, people checking in and how they're actually doing. Teams are staying positive, appreciating the ability to work from home. I agree, working from home is awesome. Um, it's not awesome for everybody. Not everybody's home is good. Not everybody's home is safe. Not everybody's home has internet, um, let alone computers. Okay, so thank you for sharing your beautiful appreciations. That's fabulous. One of the stories I think I was thinking about when it came to frame this conversation, uh, I mentioned I worked at Outward Bound, and I remember walking up Mount Tennant. It's a very tall mountain at the back of our national base, which is just south of Canberra in Tharwa. And I was leading a group of year nine boys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are smelly. And I love them because they are so dynamic and so positive and so eager. And this, there was about 20 of them, big group. And there was the hard chargers at the, at the front. And then there was the smaller guys who were struggling at the back. And one of the things we teach at our band when you're traveling in big groups is always walk at the pace of the slower walker. So what that means is you take your slowest walker, you put them at the front. And what happens is that their morale boosts because they're not lagging behind and always having to catch up. And the group actually paces to the right pace. So you don't leave anyone behind. And I was thinking about this after I had a great conversation yesterday with Kim Blackmore, who is one of my clients. She's in Amplifiers. She is the Director of Teaching and Learning at ANU. And they've been facing the coronavirus crisis since, well, end of January, because most of their students, or a lot of their students, are in China. And China had the lockdown January 23rd. And it meant the university had to pivot and reorient to how it's going to deliver courses to keep the university going. So they've been in coronavirus crisis for ages, and they're well ahead of a lot of organizations. And so we were discussing yesterday the situation. And she said something that I think was really powerful. She goes, yeah, you know what? This, this crisis is really teaching us how interconnected we really are and that how much we really need to look after us, all the vulnerable parts of us especially, because we are only as strong as our weakest member. And it's hit me with that sort of analogy with the outward bound thing, where you can only walk as fast as your slowest walk. You don't leave anybody behind. And likewise, in our communities, we are as only as healthy as our weakest member. 
So the homeless person that you walk past could have the coronavirus and they don't have the resources to scrub their hands three times a day. And they are touching things because they have nowhere else to go. And so from a clinical point of view, they could be the source or cause of, of the virus. And that sounds, well, clinical. And at the same time, it, it will encourage compassion. So I love how our weakness can actually engender compassion. And if it takes our weaknesses and our sense of personal threat to look after the most vulnerable, then I'm all for it. So this is really teaching us that we need to look after all parts of our community because we all have an impact on each other. I thought that was a lovely observation that Kim had. She, had, she was full of wisdom yesterday. The next thing she said was, this is really highlighting uh, the gaping holes in capitalism. And I agree, like a free open market in this current situation is going to come crashing down. We can't actually let capitalism reign unfettered. And it's revealing the weaknesses in our systems and the opportunities we have to shift with them. And I think this is a great analogy across all of our systems, not just our economic one, but our health one, our educational systems, our business systems, is exposing where the capacities are, the thresholds are in each of our operating systems. And this is some of the big picture thinking that we're going to need to do in light of the coronavirus epidemic, pandemic, I should say. And then the third thing she mentioned, which is really, really powerful, she said, you know what, this is more unifying than any of the world wars we've had before. It's more unifying, sorry. It's more of a common experience than any of the world wars we've had previously. I thought, holy cow, that's right. We had world wars, but it wasn't the entire world. This is the first time that we've acknowledged that something like this is affecting every single country around the planet. Every human is at risk. Every human is participating and involved in this crisis. It is something that we share across nations, across cultures, across hemispheres. We haven't had anything like this before in the past. We did have the potential with looking at climate change and climate change is there. We still have that affecting all of us, but not everybody is buying into it. Coronavirus is allowing us to see how interconnected we actually really, really, really are. And it's not until people start dying around us that we've been able to actually face that. It's like, are we have interconnected planet and systems and communications and economies. We need to behave and lead differently. And as you talked about this, I got chills. I'm like, this is the moment that as a leader, I've been hoping for, not the disease, but what it's going to allow us to do. And the hope that all of us can start thinking from an interconnected point of view, from a global citizenship point of view, is how we're actually going to break through dealing with some of these issues. And um, I get emotional every time I talk about this because this is humanity's opportunity. And I see it as such an exciting moment for us, even though it feels there's a whole bunch of crap that we have to get through before we get to the exciting moment. Um, so it's both. It's crap and it's exciting. And we're all in this together. And I think that is the frame which I wanted to start this webcast with. Um, we all have enormous potential to share and contribute and to solve this thing together. So where do we start? Leaders, we start with you. <laughs> so you need to do some really strong, basic self-leadership. And my number one principle is self-care. Every leader needs to do this better, and especially right now, we need to amp up our self-care. Because if we go down, it's not good. 
we have one less person, one less resource to lead the pack and to, sta to stable the nerves and calm the horses in the stables. I think that was a useful metaphor. <laughs> we'll see how we go. So some of the things you can do for self-leadership, if you're not already doing that, increase your meditation. If you're meditating one minute a day, go to two minutes. If you're meditating five minutes, go to 10 minutes. If you're meditating 20 minutes, go to 30. Just increase it. Um, if you stop meditating, go back to it. I noticed in this last week, my anxiety has meant that I abandoned some of my self-care practices. And I'm like, okay, back to, back to like the basics. The basics are deep self-care. Uh, get some fresh air and sunshine. A, because it helps torch virus conditions and it helps promote your immunity and good health. So get out there while we can uh, and enjoy the sunshine. Exercise and nutrition, absolutely. Stop anything that affects your immunity system. For me, I've chosen now to stop drinking alcohol. Um, I have a really not very resilient immunity system and I've had cancer in 2005. So more than anybody else, uh, I'm one of the vulnerable people in, in, the, in the community, if you like. So I really feel really healthy, but when it push comes to shove, I don't know. So I'm doing everything I can to look after my immunity system. I'm going to post some connections or uh, a link to Alessandra Edwards' material. She's all about immunity and healthy living. And so there will be some very pragmatic uh, things that she will add to the conversation as well. We might also get her on the podcast. And the other piece around leading yourself is about connection. So this is going to be a tough time for leaders. A lot of us are like, what the hell? Like I know last weekend I sat in looking at the news going, oh, how am I going to lead my business through this? What's this meaning for my clients and all of their stakeholders and, and the people that they look after and went into a little bit of fatigue around it. And I know a lot of leaders are feel, facing the same thing. Um, and some of us have businesses that are really reliant on traffic and on immediate cash flow. And it's not, it's sobering. Uh, let's put it that way. So we need to be alone together, if you like, and create community where we can. On that note, we've, I'm just talking with my team and we're going to launch something on Monday called Monday Mojo with Zoe. That would be me. <laughs> and it's going to be an opportunity for leaders to check in, vent, ask questions, share ideas, or just simply be in the company of others. It's not going to be recorded. It's just going to be once a week. You can set the tone for the week and get some positivity, some upliftment. I'm going to practice my humor because one of the things I wanted to do this year was launch my public speaking career in a broader way. Well, no one's doing events live anymore, but I can still practice my humor. So I'll be testing out jokes with you. <laughs> you can give me some feedback and hopefully be a little entertained as well as uplifted. You can create your own community. You can do something similar on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever, but create somewhere where you can actually hang out and connect and be with other people because we're going to be remote for some time and more on that later. Okay, we're going to go to a little poll. So let's have a look here. Oh, I see there's a Q&A section. Okay, let me go to the poll. Poll. Launch poll. All right, so here's the poll. Um, I'll give you a little bit. That should hopefully appear up on your screens. If you can't see it, someone send me a um, notification. Basically, what the poll says, this is for all of my podcast listeners, how are you responding to the coronavirus situation? Oh my goodness, there's a typo. My, my business center, Louise, will be rolling her eyes because I just 
can't see them. Um, the first option is, it's Armageddon. I have four weeks of supplies stockpiled. Is that your response? Uh, second one, I'm anxious and aware. I've been singing three verses of happy birthday while hand washing, just to be sure. I'm curious and cautious. Hugs are out, elbow bumps are fine. And the last one, it's a storm in a teacup. I'm dining out, going to the gym, and carrying on. So those are your options. It's Armageddon. I'm anxious and aware. I'm curious and cautious. Uh, it's a storm in a teacup. I'm dining out, etc. Okay, so I'll just give you a moment to see where you, and you might not fit in there exactly. It's not exactly the most scientific diagnostic poll. It's just to give us an indicator of how you are responding to coronavirus. Okay, one more, 10 more seconds, and then we will close the poll. <sighs> Very exciting. I love poll. Like, isn't Zoom amazing? By the way, if you haven't done Zoom before for your remote workers, it's one of the things you're going to have to get across, uh, which is cool because it's fun stuff like this. Okay, I'm going to end the poll. Last chance. Here we go. Ending poll. And we'll get the results. Okay, share results. Dun, dun, dun. I'm sharing the results. So the results are 1% or one person answered, it's Armageddon. I have four weeks of supplies stockpiled. That's 5% of the callers. I'm anxious and aware. I've been singing three verses of happy birthday, 21%. The bulk of the answerers, answerers, respondents are, I'm curious and cautious. Hugs are out, elbow bumps are fine. Seems like a more tempered approach. Storm in a teacup, I'm dining out, going to the gym and carrying on. So 11%. Okay. So what I want to say, thank you everybody for taking the poll. I appreciate that. I'm going to stop sharing now. What I want to say about the poll is that these are stories, not facts. So these are stories we're telling ourselves about the coronavirus and how we're feeling and responding to it. And I think that's really important to note. And we need to start paying attention to the stories we are telling ourselves about the coronavirus because there's immediate effect on our emotional state and therefore our um, resourcefulness as leaders. And <clears throat> one of the things we know for sure is uncertainty is one of the primal causes of an amygdala hijack. So uncertainty, I'm going to say that again, uncertainty is one of the primal causes of an amygdala hijack. If you're unfamiliar with what that means, the amygdala is our flight and fight response. It's a little almond-shaped organ at the base of our uh, brainstem, and it is responsible for, for checking us to see if we're safe or unsafe and put us into survival mode or into it's okay mode. Uncertainty is one of the triggers that puts us into survival mode. <laughs> so it's not surprising we are seeing panic buying because there's so much uncertainty around this whole thing. When will it end? What are we going to do? What if scenarios? And we go into catastrophizing. This is all natural human response in the face of uncertainty. So if this is you, we need to deep breath. Okay. Know that it's happening. So Allison said, you know, I feel like I have lots of adrenaline. Yeah, this is the uncertainty triggering, triggering amygdala. And this is the exact experience that I'm having as well. Uh, so being observant of self, going, hmm, I'm experiencing a bit of amygdala stuff here, is the first way of being able to cut through that. What you need to be mindful of is what your team is doing too. So likely they're experiencing this too. Some of the other signs or effects of an amygdala hijack is being distracted. You know, have you got your task list and you just keep looking at it and then going to make a cup of tea and then come back and looking at it 
and then going to visit the chicken <laughs> and then looking at it. Yeah, that's the amygdala operating. So it makes it very difficult for us to show up and be centered. So we need to keep biohacking our way through this. Biohacking means breathing. Nose, toes, and pose is my primary methodology for cracking through this. Nose is breathing. Toes is digging toes into the ground or bouncing. Actually, bouncing is really good. This is a Qigong thing, and it gets all of your lymph moving, and it actually helps settling. So I'm not going to do that through the whole webcast because you'll go you'll just be watching me bobbing up and down. <laughs> it would be look really hilarious. Uh, and pose, which is, thank you, Amy Cuddy, doing power poses. This reduces anxiety, boosts testosterone, reduces cortisol. So often I'll be standing in a <laughs> webcast when nobody can see me, bouncing up and down in my power pose. There you go. So that just boosted a little bit of testosterone and so on. Um, distracted short-term memory loss. So I was speaking to a client yesterday who has high anxiety uh, anyway, and this on top of it means that he's, he's a little bit like goldfish. He's going around and he's like, what did you say about that? And that's because when we have so much adrenaline and cortisol, it shuts down the executive brain function. It's not that we're stupid. It's just that we've got all these biochemicals happening. So we may have some short-term memory function problems. Like you go with a shopping list and you look at your shopping list, you're like, did I get that? Did the, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you may find yourself and others being snappy and irritable. I found myself being snappy and irritable to my husband. And I went, oh, yep, there we go. Amigla, thank you very much. And hyped up. So those are some of the things we can be, we might see in signs of each other. So if you're experiencing those signs and seeing each other, you can say, yep, that's me. I'm, I'm having uncertainty amygdala hijack uh, or nah, I'm not any of those. Likely your staff are experiencing that, your teams are experiencing that. So that's the situation. How do we deal with it? How, this coronavirus stuff, right? How do we deal with this? Apart from the emotional anxiety and self-maintenance, we're going to move into some of the leadership stuff approach to this. The first part is about confronting the brutal facts. And I did put in my notes, brutal in quotation, in parentheses, because again, mindful of language, it kind of hypes it up. And to be honest, the facts are brutal. Uh, so. I'm saying it without hyperbole, actually. So brutal facts. Uh, I checked the government's health, health site this morning. As of 6.30 a.m. yesterday, so this data is already over 24 hours old, we had 454 cases of coronavirus in Australia and six deaths. I'm pretty sure that number is, uh, has escalated because we are now in that graph where the spikes of reported cases are are ex exponential. We expect the cases to double every three to four days, probably faster. So yeah, that's the starting point. Um, remember, we don't want to tell stories about this. We want to confront the brutal facts. I'm going to share my screen and show another interesting graph. Now, yep, it's going to be brutal. Just warning you now. Okay, so you should be able to see my slides. So this is the title slide. And when I put this slide together, I went, I looked at the graphic of all these people together and went, no, social distancing, you're all too close together. And I'm looking at a slide of my stick figures. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, my, uh-oh, I just clicked the wrong thing. I clicked, stop sharing. Let me just go back to sharing. Sorry about that. I'm too excited. 
All right, start over. Here we go. Okay, here we go. So title slide and this graph. So this comes from my colleague Brent Hodgson, who has been studying the pandemic since January and liaising through the health uh, profession about the shape of the pandemic and its business and social impact. So let me just walk you through this slide. And I will make this available in the show notes for the podcast and uh, afterwards so you can have reference to this. In the blue phase on the left-hand side, this is arrival of the pandemic. First cases, it lasts about eight weeks, one to five cases. So in Australia, we have, um, we have a lot more than that. Uh, the health sector is notified, government message is limited, business impact is low. This is kind of like where we were early February, maybe? Contagion. So rapid growth, cases multiply every 10, 10 times every 16 days. This period will last about four to 10 weeks. We have thousands of cases. We're not quite there yet in Australia. Probably give us another three days and we'll be close to that by the weekend. And at the time of this recording is Thursday, March 19th. The uh, health sector is on alert. There's a slow buildup, warn and escalate. And if you might notice this part, panic buying, economic slowdown. That's exactly where we are and we're about to move into the next phase. This is in Australia. Uh, other countries have moved through this altogether. So let me just see. There's a comment here. Let me just check the chat. Okay. Just make sure that's over there. Okay. Um, pandemic phase. Phase five to six. Severe containment. We haven't got there yet, guys. It lasts seven weeks or so, six to eight weeks. Um, if you think about Italy, they're into their third week. They just started their third week of severe containment. It feels like they've been in lockdown forever. Um, there's hundreds of thousands of cases, one to 40,000 deaths. So I think in Italy, they've surpassed a, a thousand deaths. Somebody else can tell me the numbers. Um, things are overstretched. This is definitely Italy. Who lives, who dies? So this is what flattening the curve is all about, is so that our, our um, health system isn't overstretched. We are on a war footing, partial or full shutdowns, low human movement. Uh, I was speaking to Barry Pogoro, and he's going to be on the podcast very coming up shortly. Um, and he is in LA. This is yesterday. And they have been in lockdown, full lockdown for two days. Full lockdown means do not leave your house, no restaurants, no gyms, no pubs. And you, that's it. And we saw that in Pan and went, oh yeah, those Chinese are a bit severe. And then what are we seeing? Italy, France, US, Canada. This is where, we're, this is where Australia is heading. This is where Australia is heading. How fast are we going to be there? Uh, well, if you look at the indicators, tens of deaths, we're at six right now. We're not that far away from this to launch us over here. And if we're doubling cases every three to four days, we're going to be in severe containment pretty soon. The government has already went from Sunday limiting groups of 500 to Wednesday limiting the groups of 100. So in three days, we've gone into containment phases. So there will be lockdowns, there will be school closures, there will be things stopping. Uh, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Yes, all coming. And then what happens after eight weeks, hopefully that's mitigated a lot of the cases, it's giving our system a chance to catch up, deal with what situation. 12 to 24 months of ongoing vigilance, 5 million or 20% of Australia will have contracted it, and there may be around 200,000 deaths. So, yeah, it's brutal. 
Um, rapid response, it's time to be alert. And this is a big piece down here from a leadership point of view, changes to habits and values. Eventually, hopefully, we come to this pace of containment. It's calm, the outbreak ends, there's a period of renewal, we look at what happened, and the ripples are still being felt. So as leaders, we're sitting here between contagion and pandemic, and looking, we need to look at how we're going to deal with the pandemic phase as well as the post-peak breaks. Now, this little graph down the bottom here shows us where the different countries are. New Zealand is still in first cases. Australia is in contagion, moving quickly into pandemic phase. Italy is there right now. China and Korea are in the orange phase. And you look how long the damn thing lasts in comparison. All right. Yeah. Okay. So thank you. That was, uh, I can feel the echoes of bleh across the airwaves. We are going to now look at what do we do? So from a leadership point of view, this is your leadership focus. Um, always we have a balance between now and next, between people and strategy. So now and people, it's all about culture and inclusion. And we're going to talk specifically about what we can do in that situation just a moment. Next and people is about change, providing inspiration. Well, eventually it'll be inspiration in the interim. It's going to be about calming everyone as much as we can and being up, um, frank and direct with them. And strategy is about conversation and clarification and the future is about direction. So how do we move through this? So how do we deal with now and how do we deal with next? So let me talk about how we deal with now and around the people stuff. So I'm gonna stop sharing this for a moment. Okay, coming back to moi, hello again. All right, so dealing with people now right? Um, be mindful that everybody is going to have different stress levels and they're going to have some of those unhelpful behaviors from an amygdala hijack. We are going into lockdown at some stage. Uh, so that means work from home, do not move. Think of Italy and we're going to that at some point. How serious will we get? Hopefully serious and soon uh, so that we don't have 200,000 people dying across Australia who wouldn't otherwise have died before their time. That's sort of what we're aiming for is to minimize that um, so the challenges in lockdown from a people stuff point of view, if you're leading your team through that, are, as you can imagine, isolation uh, from if you're still getting people to work and you can still get them to work because some organizations can't, like if you're in the restaurant sector, I know that uh, as Ali is, they can't work from home. Like they serve tables. Uh, there's no tables being had. So it's a different challenge there. Um, accountability and uh, Motivation and morale are some of the challenges to, 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 to handle that. This is what you can do, whether the, you're, they're working from home or not working from home, is that you can create places where they can connect and use online collaboration tools. If you don't already have them in place through your workplace network, you can try things like Slack. That's our communication platform in our team. That's how we send messages every day. So my team is remote as well. Abby's in the Philippines and Louise and I are in separate offices in Canberra. So we might as well be remote, though we do catch up. Well, used to catch up face to face. We will eventually again. So we use Slack for ongoing communication and discussions in real time instead of email or texting. So this way everybody can follow the conversation. Todoist and other sort of task management tools to help create visibility and accountability with task management are some ways of doing that. And using, oops, just throwing things around my office. Um, 
and using things like Zoom in order to create that sense of connection and community. So you can actually see each other. Like when I chatted to Kim yesterday, it's like, I haven't seen you for so long. It's so good. And even though I couldn't give her a hug, like I'm a big toucher. So this is having big impact on my mental health in some ways. Like my sister-in-law and brother-in-law came over, they're living with us for a little while. And I just wanted to give them a big hug. And I'm like, no, we're doing social distancing. Um, And so those of us who are touchy will struggle a lot. And if you have people living alone in your team, they need a lot of extra care. Uh, So they need lots more check-in because they're going to be in shutdown alone in their home. So think a couple things. Think this kind of thing where you can actually see them and talk to them in regular check-ins. Think plants and pets. Having something to care for, especially if you live alone, is going to be really, really important uh, because it's going to be so isolating. Uh, Pets are good. Not everybody can have pets. Plants are good too. Uh, So that you can create a herbarium, grow some herbs, have something to look after that's going to help us feel loving towards another living thing. And that can help us go from fear into love and compassion, which is exactly what we need as, as leaders to do. Uh, some entertainment things, some social things need to happen as well. So you might do, this is M's suggestion, they're trialing, or a lot of their team members are doing online Scrabble. So that's a way of connecting virtually on a game, which I think is fun. And they're trialing Pictionary over Zoom, <laughs> which I think is awesome. Like you might have Pictionary, do the word Scrabble, put on a post note, put it up to the screen, and you have teams doing that. So there's things that we can do to help connect and have fun. Um, I mentioned it earlier is that we need to boost oxytocin. That's our trust drug and it's our sense of belonging that's going to be affected a lot through this lockdown isolation period. So the way that we can help do that is to share stories of generosity. Um, I'm not sure about you, but when, when that little news clip came through about the Italians singing to each other in the streets, that was really lovely. Like I'm getting hit right now of some oxytocin and, um, it's moving me emotionally. So those kinds of stories are really helpful to help change people's emotional state and actually boost their immune system. So oxytocin helps with the renewal of the, of the immune system. And we all need that kind of stuff. Appreciation and gratitude. So I got you guys all to list something you appreciated to help deliberately change your emotional state. Do that with your teams. Okay. From, from a remote working point of view, there's a whole set of skills around that. And being able to do, create daily and weekly schedules with your teams about how they might manage their workflow. Not everybody is experienced working from home. And it's a, it's a whole new thing. I've been doing it since 2002. So old hat for me. If, you, if that's new to you, let's talk about that and how we can set you and your team up to, to be able to handle daily, weekly check-ins and schedules and accountability and so on. Okay. Where are we up to? Ah, okay. So that's dealing with your team. From a leadership thinking point of view, this is thinking about next, big picture stuff. And like I said, we're not going to go through risk analysis and decision making in your business right now through the crisis because it's going to be individual for each of you. Each of you have very different businesses and contexts. Giving you the bare facts, uh, the brutal facts about what we're facing, and everybody's situations will be different in terms of how they manage it through. Um, some organizations will be fine sending their workforce home. They'll just work from home for eight weeks. No big deal. Others, it's a very different ballpark. And liaising with, here's a couple of recommendations. 
liaising with your bank to talk about cash flow, if that's going to be a concern, and what you can do in negotiation with them and talk to your suppliers, what you can do in negotiation for managing all of that. Be on the front foot now around some of these things. Remember, we're all in this together. And so the more that we can help ease the flow of money and expenses and pressure and uh, people through this period, the better off we're all going to be. Um, and then the government is also issuing support packages for different industries and so on. So get across to your industry association or your chamber of commerce to get the latest update on how you can access some of that and how you might get some support from some of that. So that's my technical stuff that you can, I will put links to some of the resources in the show notes that you can access. Uh, so big picture thinking, this is where we can start to get a little bit more positive um, or hopeful. I should say, I think we should be positive, not Pollyanna, not delusional, and yet be always focusing forward. Um, I mentioned yesterday, I interviewed Barry Pogrel, and his interview will be posted on the podcast in the week after next, I think. We were talking about the pandemic, and so one of his observations from a leadership point of view, and he's all about leadership, trans transformational leadership, is that a lot of people are thinking about when will when can we get back to normal? And in fact, we saw that as a headline today. And like you know, as China gets back to normal, China is not getting back to normal. None of us will get back to normal. We are not going to go back to where we were before the pandemic. We need to create a new normal. The new normal is going to emerge, whether we create it deliberately or not. We need to choose how we craft it, how we respond to it, and how we can make something really useful and positive about it. Um, so that's opens up possibilities for all of us. What could the new normal look like is, is a really interesting uh, point of view. So I think thinking about when are we gonna get back to normal is the wrong question. It's like, when can we start to create the new normal? And the answer is we start to create it now. We need to do that now as we deal with what's happening as well as what, so what we do now will affect what happens next. So it's a really challenging time from this point of view. Now. The next exciting piece that we can do, and this is Barry's suggestion, is through transformation, is to make a stand. What do you mean? What does that mean, make a stand? And he said, if you think about it, and he's American, so he, he gave an American example, when they made the Declaration of Independence, and he says, make a stand, make a declaration. The Declaration of Independence is an example of this. The people who did that, came together and said, we're making a declaration. We are for a United States. We are here to create a democracy where people have representation for their government. We're moving away from a monarchy and creating this new thing. <laughs> Don't know what that looks like really. We're gonna work out the logistics and the systems and the new ethos around that as we go. But what we know is that we don't want what we had before is being ruled by a dictator, i.e. a monarch. We want something where we have contributions. So I think this got me really excited. I'm like, yes, this is our opportunity to make a declaration about what kind of community we want, what kind of civilization we want to create. One where we look after all the vulnerable people. One, because there's a self-interest piece in it, as I mentioned earlier. And two, because it's the human thing to do. It's the humane thing to do. It's a responsible thing to do. Wow, there's so many options for possibilities. And that's where we can bring our strategic thinking skills, our creative thinking skills, and start looking at different models and different frameworks and different possibilities for that. 
you don't know how, if you don't have those skills, let's talk about that separately. You can email me and say, I don't have strategic thinking skills. I don't know how to do futurist thinking. Great. Let's handle that offline. I have resources for you. Um, so make a declaration. That's sort of the next piece. And then we start moving into the grist of what that could do. And so I mentioned some of the strategic thinking skills. One thing you can do if you don't have those skills is to lead with questions. And I think a really useful question, provocative question can steer the ship in a completely new direction. And I think if we start to share really powerful questions about the, the future that we want to create, we will start to see new ideas with each other. So this is why I think it's important that we share those ideas. Um, I will put uh, in the follow-up for the webcast attendees where you can do that. It will be on the podcast Facebook page. And that will be a place also for the podcast listeners to go to go and share your deep questions around this. Here's a couple of the questions I've been toying with about this future. Um, and if you remember from the slide, that sort of the orange phase, one of the things is that we change our values and perspectives. So I'm thinking about that phase, you know, well, how our values will shift. and Along with that, how do we build trust again when touch taboo will be magnified? So in existing pre-coronavirus, we had touch taboo, which means it's until, that's why we have a handshake is to decrease the touch taboo and to, and to build a sense of trust in others. And that touch, what we saw oxytocin, allowed it safe for us to progress to discuss business or personal or whatever. And touching is our way of doing oxytocin. But we don't do that anymore because we have a stigma around it because we don't want to communicate disease or have disease communicated to us. How do we then develop trust? How do we then develop the ability to reassure people? Um, so I think dealing with touch taboo or reinventing what it means to connect, and I love the Indian greeting of Namaste, which is a really powerful greeting. And that's sort of how they have run their culture for a long time. They don't do handshakes. That's a Western thing. But namaste and bowing from the Japanese um, culture is another way of doing that. So maybe our greetings will change. And that's the initial thing. But this, it's got a broader picture around it. Um, another question I've been sharing is how do we shift educate, the educational factory industrial system, which is let's put all of our kids in a big block and have them educated together. Um, how do we shift from that system to a community one, perhaps? Because what we're seeing as, as holes in our systems, I think the educational system has, is integrated with the, our financial and economic and business one, and it's got big holes too. This is why we're not shutting schools down yet, is because if we shut schools down, workers will come out of work to look after the children, and business will, will shut, fold, be under huge pressure. That's one of the reasons why we're not shutting down schools. So all those systems are integrated. How can we redesign all those systems so that business and education of our young people and community actually become stronger together? So if one collapses or has a threat to it, the others don't fall apart as well. So these are big picture leadership questions. I'm so excited that we can all work on together and that we can start to imagine a new future together. Okay. Um, and I guess the third provocative question that I've started playing with is what new values are we going to adopt? Will this shift worldviews for people? Will we progress or regress or change, change shape entirely? And I think that's a really powerful question. 
So I'm just going to check in onto the chat box. I know there was a Q&A thing. Where did you go, Q&A? Um, see if there's anything I can address there. Nope. Let's check in the comments. So I'm just taking a breather. And if you have questions or comments, now is the time to do it. Uh, if you want to stay on the call, I'm going to wrap up shortly if there aren't any. Uh, and you want to stay on the call after I quit the recording to have a discussion. That's totally cool. Okay. Uh, all right. So Lynn's posted a few um, ideas here linked to Facebook. So I'll have a look at those afterwards. Okay. So um, I want to check in again. <laughs> How are you feeling now? Had you heard this stuff before? What ideas are coming up for you now? What, what else do you need to work with in order to lead through coronavirus? And I realize we've just scratched the surface on some of these things. So those are a couple of questions for you to put into the chat box. Um, what's coming up for you? How are you feeling? What else do you need to know or would like ideas from? Uh, so I'll just give you a moment to do that. I'm going to tell you while, we, while I wait for people to do that, I'm going to list some of the resources I'm going to put in the show notes. So a link to Alessandra Edwards' resources on boosting immunity. Uh, I've got a link to how to run homeschooling because when schools shut down, kids are going to be at home. You can educate them as parents, potentially. Um, work from home guidelines and ideas. Uh, the graphic of that progress of a pandemic and a link to resilience training. Uh, so I have a couple of colleagues who do resilience training. That's going to be really important for you and your team. Uh, there's another resource one of my clients sent me on how retail is going to face this and a link to the Facebook, Facebook podcast page. Okay. So thank you, Alex. Um, Self-care, broad perspective from immediate to long-term. Yeah. Alex, yeah, there's a lot going on for businesses like yours and we can all be in this together. So that kind of comes to my last key message is we've got this. We've got this because we are all in this together. And the more that we reach out to each other and share ideas and connect with gratitude and appreciation and compassion, the more that we'll be able to work through all of this together. Thank you for everyone who showed up and uh, to listen into the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to sharing more. We'll send you a notification about Monday Mojo with Zoe. So you can drop in and communicate what's going on for you then. Oh, thanks, everybody. Live well and lead well. And I'll be in touch again soon.